boy. Merry, Merry Christmas, hockey fans. Uh, well, I guess today is kind of Boxing Day. Um, yesterday was Christmas Day, considering the season started then. Um, so I don't know what's I don't know what's going on there, but welcome. Uh, this is uh, Scouting Live number two for the 2022 NHL draft season, or the 2021-22 NHL season, if you uh, would like to refer it to that. I'm just tweeting out the links that we're live and we're up and running. I've got the Tampa Bay, uh, I've got the I've got the Tampa Bay uh, Detroit game going on here. Um, so I don't know. Gotta watch, gotta watch the Red Wings. I'm wearing a red sweater, but it's not for the Toronto Red Wings. By Toronto Red Wings, I mean Toronto Six. It's it's for the Toronto Six, not the not the Detroit Red Wings. Um. How are we all? I hope you're all doing safe and well. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving if you celebrated this month. Um, my fellow Canadians, if that is you. Um, but yes, I'm doing well before you ask. Um, big week, cracking a lot of guys. I think I, I didn't count. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14 guys. Not bad. Uh, we're getting up to almost two rounds worth of guys, which is pretty solid so far. Probably going to start circling back on some guys who played in October this year that I tracked early in September. Um, and I believe, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but every single league for the NHL draft uh, is now in session. The AHL is the only one, and the ECHL are the only leagues that have not started playing, but every other league is moving, and that's Lucas Raymond uh, bent over breathing heavily. After a weird collision, that's great. Good, uh, good, good start to the NHL career there. Always wonderful. Um, <clears throat> uh, first comment. Hello, Will. Hello to you as well. What's going on? Um, that's that's I guess the end of that. That's the end of that question. I also added the McKean's hockey logo above. Um, next week we might be joined by some special guests, so stay tuned for that. Um, but that logo should have been there a long time ago, um, because McKean's helps make this all happen. So thank you very much. Um, what else do we have here? Brian Stewart's here, so that means I don't have to answer any of his questions. Hello. Um, my thoughts on Archam Duda. I saw his flashy highlights. Yeah, so I saw Duda, uh, tracked a game of his. I mean, I've been watching him since last year. Um, kind of curious, not super taken aback by what he does. He is a pretty aggressive guy, um, interesting offensive skill as well. Um, there's a, there's, there's some nice evaluate, like evasive skill with him as a defenseman, but I like Grudinin a little bit more. The only thing with Grudinin is that he's really talented for an MHL defenseman, like in terms of skill and, and sort of the fun factor. Um, his ability to evade pressure and, and his ability to sort of step up from the blue line, open up lanes. It's pretty impressive, like his play with the puck. But I came away kind of thinking that both Duda and Grudinin were like long-term projects a little bit. Um, I just didn't see a whole lot in Duda that I found like super projectable. But I'll do a couple more games of him at least by the end of the year. Like I don't think he's going to get a video or anything based off of just my one game of seeing him play. Just a generally inactive game from him, from what I remember. This was a few days ago, um, and I always, I, 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 I usually, especially since they play on the same team, I kind of every day remember that I kind of enjoyed the potential of Vladimir Grudin a little bit more. 
Um, but again, Grudinin is a five foot nine sort of puck moving skilled defenseman who I'm not sure quite has enough to make it work. Um, but you could let him stash away. You you could let both of these guys stash away in Russia for three, four, five years before they come over. And if they're mid, mid to late round picks, then fine. Um, mm-mm-mm. Oh, didn't go to my creator dashboard. I need to go to my Twitch creator dashboard so I can keep up with the uh, with the uh, chat on Twitch for all uh, one people that's in there. Um, we'll stick with Twitch for a while, especially as the year goes on. People people seemed to latch on to Twitch uh, as the time went on. But anyway, enough about uh, me. Um, Raybro, hello, friend. Always a, always a lovely thing to see you in here. Uh, tell the viewers how good Kote is. Um, yeah, so I tracked Justin Kote yesterday. I mean, I think he's a player that, you know, in the game that I tracked, he didn't do much. Um, he had a goal. Um, why isn't he popping up here? Oh, is it? Be there he is. So, yeah, like he scored a goal. Um which is fine, uh, which is always good. But he didn't, again, similar to a guy like Duda, he didn't, do, he didn't do much. You know, like when you're looking at transition play, not only were, you know, so his offensive transition involvement was low at 18%. For a forward, it's usually at least above 20. And defensive involvement, it, it's not the worst I've ever seen, but also very low. Um, and when he played offensively with the puck, he was losing the control of the puck a lot. A lot of missed passes up here. He shot. He passed sixty percent in the game I tracked. Um, all of his shots were low danger, you know. But he looks a lot like a lot of fun, you know. I bumped him down quite a bit. There was a time before the season started where I thought maybe he could be a late first guy, um, but I just think that he's a rambunctious, energetic guy with a really good shot, um, and I think there's a bit of playmaking instinct there as well. I mean, he had quite a few dangerous passes and. 20% of his pass attempts were dangerous. So I think there's something there. But uh, with Kote, I'm going to need to see more. I'll do a few more um, a few more games on him at least. He might be a guy I do a video on if he plays better in the next few games that I track. But I wasn't really blown away with him when I watched him, which is disappointing because I like Justin Kote as a player and I like his shot and I like the the quickness and aggressiveness that he brings. But, you know, the question to me that I kept thinking was like, is this another guy on Drummondville who's just going to be another one of these undersized energy guys that work really well in junior, but maybe have trouble projecting guys like Xavier Simino. Uh, I think Raphael Harvey Pennard played for Rune Naranda or no, he played for Rune Naranda, not Drummondville. Um, but I feel like there was another one. They have Jacob Dion on defense, another undersized guy who, you know, um, just might not project to the higher levels. But I like I like Justin Cote at least as an, as a junior player and uh he's fun to watch but I want to see more before I before I start pumping his tires. Uh thoughts on Casper Lundell. Um yeah, I he's not his brother, I'll tell you that much. Um it'll be very interesting to see how his production continues because he uh let me double check. Um he kind of has slowed down significantly. Um so he started, I believe he had seven of his 12 points in his first two games. And I believe one of those games were against a pretty bad team where they scored 12 goals. And I mean, 
Casper Lindell is a guy who, when I tracked him, I thought, uh, um, I just didn't, I, I, I looked at him pretty quick because I sat, I found some tape online of him just overall kind of okay, like really intelligent off puck offense. He kind of gets to the front of the net a lot at junior, at the junior level. You know, he drove a lot of dangerous shot attempts on his own. And, and I mean, this is, this is impossibly high. Like this is almost certain to fall. Um, you know, like Lucas Raymond or Lucas Reichel was one of the highest I've tracked. And he, I don't think was anywhere close to 21 dangerous shot attempts per 60. Um, you know, but like Lindell was okay. He put up a really good offensive threat metric, but his passing was bad. You know, he, he had a lot of incomplete passes. He was passing up a lot of offensive transitions, just having trouble hitting his targets and, and, and maintaining that vision through the neutral zone. A lot of things that I just felt were questionable, but he was pretty well involved and it's not like he didn't do anything in the game. So he's another one where I'm going to take a look at him and circle back later on and see what else there is going on there. But I, I come away thinking that I'm not surprised that his scoring is slowing down, you know, in, in the last six games, that means he would have five points. And I mean, if his pace over the entire year is more of like a point per game or just over a point per game in the Finnish junior league, We'll see. But the other thing about the Finnish Junior League to remember is that the league splits, it kind of like splits halfway through the year. So the best teams continue playing against each other down the stretch and the worst teams battle to avoid relegation. So that's an important thing to also keep in mind that if you guys are ripping the, ripping the doors off of the Finnish Junior League in the first stage of the season, um, some of these games are really, really lopsided. And, and those teams are just not on the same level as, say, HIFK, uh, and their junior program. It's just it's just a different class of team. So we'll see what happens. But with Lundell, I didn't see a ton where it, it really led me to believe that, oh my God, this guy's a point and a half per game and he's going to be incredible. Um, Austin Brass, hello. Uh, can you talk about why you like Gleb and uh, Reb? <laughs> Reb Ivanov? Um... Gleb Ivanov and and, and uh, Yanni Newman, yeah. So we'll start with Gleb. Uh, Gleb is, I mean, Gleb, Gleb is just a very, 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 very talented offensive hockey player, and he's not he's no slouch defensively. He's like the ability that that, that Gleb like Gleb has the ability to. His, his skill is lightning quick. He can make two skill moves to get around a defenseman in a tenth of a second. And he's got a clear shot to the net, and his release is insane. Like his his ability to step into into space and just let a shot go is really high end. Like not many guys in this year's draft, I think, have so far in my view done better than him in that regard. Um, you know, I I really really like Gleb Trikasov. He's a pretty good skater. He maintains his involvement in the game pretty well. His data from the game I tracked was hilarious. Like it was bad. Um. But he's one of these guys where, you know, even if the data is this bad all year, I'm still going to support the guy. Uh, out, outrageous offensive transition involvement in that game. He was trying. You know, he maintained control on 68% of offensive transitions, but he was involved in over half of them. And for a forward, I mean, if you think about it, 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 it all things being equal and forgetting about position for a while, there's five guys on the ice. That means in a game for offensive transitions – about every player should be somewhere around 20%-ish. And he's over double that. 
So nobody came close to that last year, and that's definitely not sustainable, but it is notable. Um, defensively, it was not as good, but, you know, he was kind of around and, and trying. Um, but the thing that I love about him is his play with the puck. You know, he's, he's lightning quick on his edges. He can get into space really, really quickly. And his shot is insane. Like, he's he's got a lot to like about his game. And I think, you know, obviously me saying his shot is wonderful. Um, I think he scored in this game that I tracked. And it was, again, similar to Justin Cote from Low Danger. Um, and I would have liked to see him be able to step up into that higher danger area a little bit more often than he was, which was zero. Um, but, it's again, he's one of those guys where if I'm sitting him down... I would just take him through the video and be like, look, you can do this. Like, you can get into a more favorable scoring position and, and hopefully get some more points for yourself because I've looked at him and Ivan Marushnyshenko, and I'm not surprised Gleb Trikhozov hasn't been sent down to the minors and that they're just, I don't know if he's hurt or he's not playing and scratched. Um, but I'm not surprised he's playing on the men's team down there. Um, and when I looked at both of those guys back-to-back, Marushnyshenko was pretty quiet and had a pretty good game in terms of data, but Gleb Trikhozov looks electrifying and just hasn't seemed to put it together, at least not in the game I tracked. But I I have my eye on him. Like, he's kept going up my board over the course of this year, and I'm kind of really surprised that people who have seen Ivan Marushnyshenko this year are completely disregarding Gleb Trikhozov. But I don't know, maybe he's just off to a really, really hot start, but I've really, really liked him so far. Um, and Yanni Newman, uh, Yanni Newman goes out to all those people who think I just like small players. He's, I think, 6'3", um, big, powerful winger, um, playing against men in the Finnish Junior League. I did bump him down after tracking him the other day. Um, I took a look at him in detail. Um, he was playing in the Mestis, which is the second division pro league, um, in, uh, in, in Finland. And he had a decent game. I think he had three points, which... I know sounds hilarious to follow up after saying he had a decent game. Um, oh, hello, David St. Louis. Welcome. Everybody go uh, follow him on Twitter and read all his stuff on on, on, uh, on, uh, on Elite Prospects. I almost called it junk, but it is the opposite of junk. That's just the word that comes into my head by default. Um, so check him out and check out his work. He's a smart, he's a smart fella. Um, Yanni Newman, yeah, he, I, you know, he's big. He's got range. He's, you know, there's skill as well. Um, you know, he's willing to challenge guys one-on-one -on -one at six foot three. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the Liga towards the end of the year. That was a big save. Who was that? Who's in net for Detroit tonight? Is that Delkovich? Yeah, there you go. Big save. Um, you know, pretty solid offensive transition involvement at 30%. Like, that's really good and controlled a lot of them. Um, defensively, I wanted, to see, I wanted to see more out of him. And I've definitely seen more out of him defensively than I was seeing at the second division in Finland there, just taking the foot off the gas pedal and kind of waiting for things to happen around him, which I never like to see, especially for wingers, and especially for wingers his size. Like, it's not like he's too slow to catch up. It's just I think he just was kind of thinking about offense a little bit. But he's a big guy. He's got great coordination. He's knocking down pucks in the neutral zone a lot um, and, and sort of intercepting that play a little bit. But the things I like about him are just the skill and 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 strength on him in terms of his actual sort of power winger style game there you know a bit of a straight line player but I can live with that um and I mean I'm not surprised he scored quite a few points in the in the second division already um and like I said I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the Liga by the end of the year 
Um, because even at the under 20 level, he had, he had some crazy games to start that. And then he got hurt. So, um, I've just, I, he caught my eye during the Holinka. I've really had my eye on him. I have him in the late first right now, but maybe that's a bit high, especially considering I haven't seen as many OHL and WHL guys as I want, uh, as of yet, but Newman's a big, powerful guy who I liked at the Holinka and I think has had a really, really good start to his year in Finland, even though he's been hurt already. So, uh, I, I, I'm curious to keep an eye on him and I'll, I'll be doing a few more games on him at the very least. Um, Stofferson, what's up? Uh, hey, Scouching, would you consider scouting a player who's playing 18U double A? Probably not. Uh, if it's double, I mean, I've seen a lot of 18U triple A hockey over the last, especially last year. Um, it's, you know, like... 18U AAA, like that was a that was a few of the games where Scott Morrow was playing against. Uh, or sorry, that was a bad sentence. That was the level where a few games I tracked was Scott Morrow's opponent. So that he was playing like Sioux Falls' 18U AAA team, um, and and they were just stomp. Like Shattuck was just stomping them, and he just stomped all over them. Uh, so you know, like if you're playing at that level, to me, you've got to be like dominating in order to be considered like and some guys who play at that level as a d minus one and then go to say the ushl like there's really very little correlation from what i've been able to find um it's just a big step up i think so double a that might be a bit of a stretch unless the kid's like 13 years old and i don't know um but i'm not yeah no uh, how do I feel about OEL so far? You know, I watched a bit of that Vancouver game last year, last year, last night. Um, I watched a bit of it, like a period and a half, and then I kind of turned it off because I was tired of watching hockey all day. And, uh, or all night, I should say. Um, but I thought he was fine. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think he's ever going to be an $8 million defenseman as he's being paid. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Like, but, I mean, they they need good guys. Like, if he's a solid top four defenseman, I thought he looked fine. Um, it's only been one game, and I, I, I wasn't paying too much attention to him. I was paying more attention to guys like Rathbone. Uh, I was paying more attention to guys like Pod Colson, and uh, that those are the first two that jump off of my off of my list off the top of my head. But um, I thought in the brief spurts I saw OEL last night, he looked fine. It. You know, and I, I think that whenever this kind of thing happens, like a talented player like this has a bad few years or a really bad year, especially in the last two seasons where things have been a little bit crazy. Um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna completely discount the player. Uh, so I'm hopeful that he can make another run at a career in Vancouver. I think the Vancouver Canucks are really crossing their fingers too because they're paying him a lot of money to do it. Um, but yeah. I thought he was fine to answer it as as succinctly as I can. But it was also late and I was tired. So maybe I'm blind. I don't know. Um, how well do you think Anton Lundell will do this year? Perfectly fine. I think he's going to be a solid middle six player for Florida. I'm not expecting him to just explode the league. Um, but I am expecting him to not look out of place in the NHL. I think he's ready. Mentally, he was well refined enough at both ends. Uh, in his draft year to at least have the right wiring to play in the NHL. And the fundamentals seem to have improved to the point where 
you know, he's getting to more dangerous areas more often in the Finnish league of last year. And that translates, you know, he's a, he's a strong guy. And I imagine he's stronger than he was in his draft year. Um, so I expect him to be a perfectly fine addition to the Florida Panthers, a guy where you're not just playing him because he's young and exciting, but you're playing him because he's a good NHL hockey player. I wouldn't expect him to score a ton of points, but, you know, kind of like a Kotkaniemi rookie year where he has a solid production year, but really good defensive metrics. I think that's entirely possible for Lindell, especially with Joel Quenville coaching him. Um, like, he'll get, he'll, he'll, he'll get a lot out of him, I think. As a side note, I think Chris Osgood looks exactly the same age as what I remember him from when I was a kid. Um, I could be wrong, but he looks pretty much exactly the same as I remember him from when I was a child. Ah, oh, Gio Palermo, what's up, my friend? Hello, Scouch. Uh, so excited for season four. You're telling me. Uh, I'm twisting your arm and you have to answer. Who wins the Rocket Richard first? Cole Caulfield, Shane Wright, Alexander Holtz, or Arthur Kaliev? You know, I was watching Caulfield last night um that guy is a rocket ship um you know <clears throat> i don't think it'll be kaliev i just don't think that he's gonna get as much ice time for a while um maybe not but i don't know the rocket well i mean but the thing about the rocket richard is you have to beat out guys like austin matthews and even for the next couple of years alex ovechkin maybe um and I mean, you got to think like who can go toe to toe with, with Austin Matthews, Shane Wright might be that guy. I think Alexander Holtz will score a lot of goals, but I don't think he's going to win the rocket Richard. Um, you know, maybe more of like a Jeff Skinner type guy where he's scoring a lot of goals and, but maybe doesn't, you know, maybe hits 40 once or twice, but doesn't quite, you know, get to that top of the world level. I would say that Shane Wright and Ar and uh and and Cole Caulfield are up there. The thing with Arthur Kaliev, like if they play him on the on a first unit power play and just like uh, absolutely rely on him as a scoring threat, maybe. But I also think that Arthur Kaliev, like he had a lot of primary assists as well when he was draft eligible, and he's 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 not a guy who scores forty goals and has fifteen assists. You know, he's usually a forty forty guy, so. He might, if they are on the first unit power play, he might also use that playmaking as well, rather than just being the trigger man like a, like an Alex Ovechkin. So that might take away from the pure goal totals for him. So let's go with Caulfield and Wright. And I'd say Wright probably more likely, but Caulfield probably not too far behind. Yasmeet Soroya, what up? What's up? What's up? What's up with me? Not too much. Just chilling, chilling with my friends on the internet. My internet friends. Um, what are your thoughts on Yanni Newman and Vasevolod Gaidamak? Uh, well, we went over Newman just a little while ago. Gaidamak, uh, yeah, I know he's off to a pretty hot start with the 67s this year. He, he was a weird one last year. I mean, I'm not surprised he didn't get drafted. He's another one of these guys who I think plays, uh, plays a North American style in the MHL, but looks a lot, looked a lot better because of that play style in the MHL you know like when guys kind of put in work and get to the dangerous areas a lot in the MHL like it stands out even more because most players don't do that so for him like he had crazy numbers getting to the front of the net and getting shot attempts off which is you know surprising to me um but it was all just very much sort of get to the net and slap at the puck kind of thing 
not very much separation skill in terms of opening up new space and finding space on goalies. He didn't like he as for all of those attempts, I don't think he scored any goals. Um, you know, not much of a finisher for like he's a guy who gets the chance to finish a lot and doesn't really finish a lot. I don't I I've only seen one game of the 67s this year and I thought he looked pretty solid. So maybe there's a re-entry potential with him. I'm kind of, you know, I'm not surprised he didn't get drafted, but I also kind of am. I thought maybe a team might take a flyer on him late, but I mean, I'm not I'm not too disappointed to to see him re- re-enter the draft and maybe we get another look at him uh with the 67s and maybe he gets another look. But the thing that I always took away from him was that he was very efficient offensively overall, but I did not think it was very projectable, at least when it came to scoring points. Like for a guy who was getting that many chances in tight to not score that many goals, um, especially in the MHL, like that 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 feels like smoke to me and there's fire somewhere. Um, but he's off to a pretty decent start with the 67. So who knows what a summer of development did for him. Um, Tyler Stevens, hello to you as well. I am excited for another year of hockey. It's a little bit overwhelming already, but that usually goes away after a week uh, when I'm not watching hockey, uh, NHL hockey, until one in the morning. Um, Raybro, why is David Juracek so bad defensively? Should he really be playing with men? Okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit. I know, so, okay. <laughs> so, what Raybro said is not entirely false. But it is very much throwing the baby out with the bathwater a little bit, little bit. Now, when you look at this, if you've been around for a while, this might scare you um, because there's a lot of red. So when Juracek played the game by tracked, in my opinion, he was just bad. Like he was not good. Um, but but it wasn't that you know it wasn't that he was so bad that he was hopeless. It's more that he was bad. Because it just, I just don't think the game went his way. I mean, there were some moments, he, he is, I think, one of these guys, especially on defensive transitions, he is one of these guys who, when pace is pushed against him, he's big and mean, but also not very good defending rushes. I saw him get beat way more often than I expected. He was involved quite a bit-ish. I mean, 15.5% for a defenseman is low, but, you know, he was very, very passive. He he wasn't, wasn't like he was chasing offense all night long. Um, Offensively, the, the, it was a problem. Like, he was involved a lot, but, but, but two-thirds of the time, he was turning the puck over, moving the puck up the ice. And 60% of the time, he was missing on his passes, and he wasn't even passing the puck that much. So, but he's big and he's strong, and he does have some skill. Like, he's scoring points, which you can't take away from him. And I think in this game, he did uh, he did uh, get an assist, I think. Um, oh, no, he didn't, because he had no shot assists. Um, so never mind. He had, I, it, he had no shots and no shot assists. Um, so never mind. Forget what I just said. Uh, but, you know, like, like, again, this is the problem. He was involved in only three defensive entries, I think a multiple of three and two thirds of them, he, they entered the defensive zone with control. And that is a correlate to allowing dangerous chances against. And that's what happened in this game. So, but I think with your check, he's a, he's again, big and strong and he's very confident. His, the way his brain works, it's, it's, I sit back and go, okay, 
he's not NHL ready, right? Like he's not an NHL defenseman next year. He's big and he's strong. And if he's drafted third overall, I don't think he's an NHL defenseman. But in two more years or whatever, and he gets more experience playing against men, maybe at the end of the day, he could get to that point. You know, he could get to the point of being a really strong top two pair guy. Top two pair, not top two, top two pair. Um, Top two pair guy, defense first, but with a bit of that offensive flair. He's got some skill and he tries things. Um, but he is more of a of a meanie pants defensive guy. Uh, I'll be very interested to see what happens with him over the course of the season because uh, he has not been as good as I expected, but he's also scoring points. Um, I don't know. It's he's he's weird already for me. Um, and I've tracked three to three players who have played in the in the extra league this year, uh, and he has been the worst one. In the in the one game that I tracked of each guy, you know, David Moravets was a guy. He was fine. He wasn't bad, but he was fine. Um, Yuri Kulik, I really like. I feel like people are going to catch on to Yuri Kulik as the year goes on. He could be on the world junior team, I think, for the Czech team this year. Um, and I've really, really liked him. Yuri Czech, though, there were moments where I'm sitting back and going... I don't know. Like this guy is a top 10 pick. I'm not sure. You know, even a top 15 pick. I'm not sure right now, but by the end of the year, I could easily see it. Um, hello from Australia. Whoa. That's pretty wild. Good morning. Uh, happy Friday. Uh, what's the skinny on Owen Pickering who is surprisingly not from the GTA. Uh, I don't know Owen Pickering top of my head. I think I I've heard the name, but I've never watched him play. So I'll put him in the list. Put him in the list. Oh wait, Swift Current. Why do I recognize this? And it is unfortunate that he's not from uh that he's not from um not from uh, Pickering, Ontario, but whatever. I'm sure St. Adolph, Manitoba is a nice place. All right, I'll add him to the list and check him out, Brian, if you say so. Zach, uh seems you're not as high on geeky as some others. Anything changed after tracking? Uh yeah. I mean, I moved him up quite a bit. Um, but not again, again, not as high as other people had him. Look, I mean, I have him at 21st right now. You know, look, I saw the, I saw the video that Jesse Pollock put on Instagram of him dangling a defenseman just hopelessly. And he does have good hands for a guy his size. That that's, I'll admit that. Um, I'll, I'll freely, freely admit that. Uh, but also he's a guy who again like just wasn't driving that much play offensively in terms of transitions and such i mean you you give him the puck in the defensive zone he's six foot four and he can get a pretty good head of steam moving you're not gonna stop him in junior he's he's quick in terms of a big dude who can move um but i think that the skill level in close quarters is special but the skill level when the play gets ramped up and the skill level when he's moving his feet is not is not the same. He has a lot of trouble at that point. You know, he didn't pass the puck a whole lot. And when he did, he missed over 40% of the time uh, and, and gave up the puck. And sometimes that was from him skating himself into a wall and having to chip the puck to nobody. Some of his passing decisions were kind of straight up mystifying, but he wasn't bad. And his playmaking ability uh, for a guy that size is more interesting to me than his scoring ability. 
Um, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I feel like Connor Geeky is going to be one of these guys who gets drafted really, really high because he's big, he can move pretty well, and he's got some skill. You know, and he can make a play. He's certainly got some pretty good and creative vision at times as well. Like, goes deep into the offensive zone, surveying the ice, and makes a complicated play that you don't see every day. And, I, I mean, he's a first-round pick 100%, and he may very well end up in my top 20 by the end of the year. But I get the feeling that he's a guy who a team will draft in the top 10, and his offense won't translate, and he might just struggle a little bit to really live up to that top 10 you know, pedigree, a top 20 pick. And your expectation is that he's maybe you're a really excellent third line guy, like a really, really excellent third line guy, second line guy who can make a play and, and, and play with strength and, and intensity. Sure. You absolutely could sell me on that. But I look at the guys that are in the top. I don't know. Uh, let me look. Like I look at the guys that are top 15 to me and, top 16 maybe with your check and they're all just really exciting hockey players really really fast and exciting and skilled and like i look at him versus a guy like yuri slavkovsky i see kind of similar brands of players but i think with slavkovsky there's a bit more practicality to his game a little bit more resilience to his game he's playing at a higher level than geeky as well which i mean geeky can't play at a different level he's stuck there um, but Slavkovsky's a big dude who, you know, maybe Geeky should be closer to Slavkovsky than, than they are now. Um, but I just, I have a, I, I keep looking at even the guys ahead of Geeky in the same tier, Philip Mashar, Liam Ugren, Elias Solomonson, and Tyler Duke. Those four guys I've really, really, really enjoyed watching. Um, and Connor Geeky, I've enjoyed watching in other ways. It's just, I, again, I... I get the feeling he's going to be one of these guys where I'm constantly going to be defending myself against people who think I'm nuts just because I have him like a level below the rest of the, of the, of the community here. Um, but so far I just, he looks pretty good. He looks like a rock solid first round pick. Um, and we'll see what happens with him. I, I like him, but I'm not sure I like him as much as everyone else. I like him more now that I've tracked him. Um, but, but not quite yet on the same level as, as what I've seen him ranked on average so far. Um, do, 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 do. just started looking at prospects for this year. Anyone who has elite skating speed and hands to go with it. Well, uh, I'd say that maybe Matthew Savoy, Brad Lambert and Logan Cooley are up there. Um, maybe Frank Nazar as well, I would say. Those four guys are the first one that comes to mind. Um, Savoy for sure. Lambert for sure. Cooley, maybe not quite on the same level, but he's in that realm. And Nazar has more of an intensity to his game, but it's kind of in the same boat as what you're getting at. Um, Ty Nelson might be another one that, that works that way as well. I really liked Ty Nelson when I watched him. I haven't tracked him yet. That's probably for next week, but that is one that I've really, really liked. Um, so yeah, those guys are a good start. Who's my favorite player so far? Uh, a really good question. Seamus Casey, I think has been really, really impressive to me. 
you know, I am generally pretty skeptical on defensemen high up in the NHL draft, but gosh, I, I don't know. Seamus Casey just, he was, he was dominant in the game that I tracked. Just absolutely. Like I'll show you the data. Like it was him and Tyler Duke are just insanely good. Um, or at least so far they've been, um, they've been very good. Plus his name is Seamus. And Seamus is just such a wonderful word. I just love the, the 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 word, like the 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 sound of it. Um, but with Seamus Casey, I mean, so the opposing team had zero dangerous shot attempts against. Um, his da- his dangerous his defensive zone transition percentage was not great, um, and it was kind of funny. Uh, it, it wasn't great at fifty percent, which whatever. But his offensive one. Being involved in 21% of the offensive transitions for a defenseman is very good. Maintaining control on 80%. Like, he does that by, like, you look at his passing data. Over 100 pass attempts per 60 minutes, which is a lot for a defenseman. I think the record is Johannesson, who had 135. Um, But especially on North American ice, passing the puck that often and um, completing almost 80% of them, you know, you can say, well, maybe that's just a defenseman going D to D. But... You also see a guy who created uh, 16 shot attempts per 60 minutes, um, you know, took his fair share of shots from the point as well, and, you know, had a pretty de- pretty decent rate of dangerous passes for a defenseman. Um, and, you know, you can look at, like I said earlier, just a second ago, you can, you can see defensemen with those kinds of passing numbers. And, like, I saw this with Helga Granz, where – a lot of it was sort of very conservative, D to D passing or hitting guys high in the defensive zone to get a to get a zone exit. Um, but with Seamus Casey, a lot of what I'm seeing is manipulation at a high intensity rate, quick little skill moves to find space and quick skill moves to fake out players and and you know like if you're facing straight on with a guy, you you know just a little fake to one side and a, and a crossover one way and then crossing over the other way can 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 trick people. And I saw him doing that both directions on the fly, um, taking creative routes through the neutral zone as well. Uh, one thing I do need to do is add transition types to the machine here. I forgot to do that for this weekend. Um, wow. All right. Go Red Wings. LGR dub. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, um, I, I, I really, really came away really impressed with Seamus Casey, and I didn't think I would. Um and and that's usually also a good thing is when I watch a player where I'm going in going, all right, here we go. Like, let's see, let's see what all the hoopla is about. I don't see it, but okay. And then I leave that game going, oh, okay, I get it now. And, uh, and he's one of those guys. Um, <clears throat> you know, like I, I, t- to answer your question quickly about anyone else who's been like a favorite, I watched Shane Wright today. I didn't, I didn't, eh, he was fine, I guess. Uh, Matthew Savoy, I love, he's a ton of fun. But relative to what I was expecting, I think Seamus Casey takes the cake. And I want Brad Lambert to be a thing really, really bad. Uh, you know, he's 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 really frustrating um, to watch, and I thought that might be the case, but I was hoping it wouldn't be because he's played in the Liga for this is his second year now. And, I mean, last year I watched him, and there were some pretty bad habits, same thing at the World Juniors, that just they can work in junior – but in pro hockey, it doesn't. It usually does not work. He's doing stuff that you just don't see pro hockey players doing very often because you don't do it as a pro. Like a lot of silly drop passes through the neutral zone, a lot of brushing off easy pass options, 
options to try to carry pucks in one on three. Like a lot of really just silliness that, that if he just cuts down on it and simplifies things, he should get better. And then there's a lot of perimeter play from him. He sticks to the outside a lot. Um, you know, he'll break into the offensive zone with potential, with, with, with momentum. And instead of driving to the net, he'll drive around the back of the net and circle below the goal line. And he'll make a play to send the puck in the inside lane as he circles around the goal line or around the net. But instead of chasing down that secondary opportunity by going to the net himself, he'll just keep circling around the offensive zone, kind of waiting for something to squirt out where you don't see a lot of NHL players doing that a whole lot and, and finding a lot of success. And you'd probably want a guy that talented to just start driving the net a little bit more often. Um, but I also feel like the people writing off Brad Lambert is, uh, uh, little hasty to me. Uh, I get the feeling that the potential with his game is, is pretty, pretty huge. Uh, 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 who do you think will be the number one defenseman in this year's draft? Who do I think it'll be? Um, I I think it's kind of wide open right now. I mean, I get the feeling that if David Yurichek has a really good world junior, then maybe him. Um, I'm not sure it'll be Simon Nemish. I don't, I don't think it'll be him. Um, because I don't know, I see a lot of people putting him up, up really high, and I just don't, I just don't see it. Uh, at least not that high. Like he's at 15 on my list, and I think that's reasonable. Um, but I mean, for me, Seamus Casey's been the best defenseman I've seen this year, and the only other ones that I can legitimately say have been as good when I've seen them are Ty Nelson. Hell, even Tyler Duke has been. He was fantastic the game I watched him, and he. He could be a, a really interesting player to watch, even though he's not scoring points. Like, I love watching Tyler Duke. Um, yeah, like those guys. Casey, uh, Nelson, and Duke have all been really impressive. You know, Salomonson has been re- is really young, um, and he's been, I think, getting a little bit better as the year goes on, but the game I tracked was questionable. Um, so I don't know who the first defenseman off the board is going to be. I have no idea. It's still really early. Um... I, I, I get the feeling, though, that teams that try to jump the gun and draft a defenseman really high might be passing up on a lot of talent elsewhere. Um, hmm, any Ryan Merkley, Jeremy Poirier, Scott Morrow, all offense, no defense, home run swings this year? That's funny. I like that, I like that question because there's always some. There are always some. Lane Hudson is probably the best example of that. Um, Lane Hudson is... Yes, Lane Hudson is that player. I don't think his defensive game is as lackluster as guys like Poirier and Merkley. Um, you know, uh, but I do think that Hudson will not be a very great defensive player down the road. I think his future is largely offensive. Um, I used to have him really high and then I tracked him and there's a lot of holes in his game, I think. But he's he's still got a lot of talent. Um, but I think there are some holes in his game. Really, really talented with the puck, especially. But yeah, I don't know. Like being five foot six, five foot seven, playing defense, it's really hard. And I'm not sure I quite see it from him. And uh, but he's he might be one of the he might be that guy this year. Um, at least when it comes to projection. Uh, what do you think about Edvinson? Did you change my opinion on him? Uh, I haven't seen much of Edmonton with Brolunda this year. Uh, I should probably. I mean, 
I don't think my opinions really changed on him. He is a pretty big, uh, you know, he's an interesting player. I thought that picking him ahead of William Eklund was a little bit questionable, but I, if you want a defenseman, I totally get the argument for drafting him. Um, he's big and has some real, real spectacular moments of skill and offense. Um, you know, I, 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 it, it, it's just the puck management needed work. You know, his, his defensive game was very well refined. I don't think my, I don't think my, my read on him has really changed. I, I think that it's a slow and steady build with him. I'm glad that he's more successful in the SHL than he was last year. And I didn't even think he was that bad in the SHL last year. But for him, it was more like everything that needed to be fixed was up here. You know, a lot of the things that needed work that really needed work rather than like just developing on ice, it's all up here. So if that's what is being worked on, then then good on him and 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 sure. Um, but I thought it was an acceptable pick where Detroit picked him, just not maybe the guy that I think would look best wearing a, a Red Wings jersey this year. But the idea of Moritz Sider and Simon Edmondson on the same defense core uh, is pretty pretty scary to me. So it it'll probably work out just fine for Detroit, probably. Um. Simon Forsmark is a defenseman that strikes me as average. He doesn't do anything outlandish when it comes to his game. Yeah, I tracked Forsmark, and he was okay. Uh, a, a bit of a more ag- aggressive offensive guy, um, you know, but he he was fine. Not a, You know, he, he steps up from the blue line well. He can make a play in the offensive zone. He's got some nice skill. Um, you know, decent stick checker as well, but I just didn't see much physical challenging out of him at all. Um... He's a guy. He's a guy who I want to see play in the SHL more than anything, like more than three minutes in a game, um, because I just don't know how his game projects. I, I, he's scoring points. I get it. He's scoring points, but I don't know if I see that production lining up to reality for a player like that in junior. I, I, I don't mind him. Um, I have him in my second round, um, but I, he's, 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 he's fine. But I think again, it's it's tough when it when the production is one thing, and the rest doesn't quite line up. And I think a lot of his production's been on the power play, and he is a major piece of that power play with Udebro. Um, <clears throat> Paravalov. Uh, yeah, Alex Paravalov. Um, yeah. So Alex Paravalov, I've seen uh put up some pretty good numbers. Um, really good offensive threat metric of thirty two, which is crazy good. You know, the thing about Paravalov, again, going back to, uh, who was it we were talking about? Vladimir Grudinin earlier, where Grudinin is this, like, skilled, mobile, evasive defenseman in a world where there are, like, two of those. So it's going to stick out more in a world also where defensive pressure against a player like that is pretty light. Um, Paravalov is that kind of player that has a lot of just, like, if you're draped all over him, he'll find a way to keep the puck away from you. You know, like he's just got this real knack for protecting the puck that you don't see a whole lot in the MHL and it makes him stick out a lot more. There's always these kinds of guys. Alex Kisikov is another one. So it does make it harder to read. Um, what, what, what it, it makes it harder to read. Uh, oh my God. Corey Perry is a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. How did I forget that? That's incredible. Um, but yeah, with Paravalov, I mean, he is, 
you know, he's a solid player with the puck on his own stick, literally. Like, he just won't let you take it off of him. And he grinds his way to the net and tries to make a play. You know, and it was a perfect 50-50 split between trying to make a play and making the play himself. Um, it was all medium danger shot attempts, which I'll live with. Uh, that's okay. Um, but yeah, it was interesting watching him. I want to watch more. I, I'm not going to say that the production is like, oh my God, he's the greatest player in the draft because he's two points per game or whatever in the MHL. Lokomotiv Yaroslavl is a very, very good team, and he is a big reason why they're so good. Um, but I'll be very curious to watch him because I don't think I buy it. Again, similar to Forsmark, I don't think I buy it to that level. But he does have some interesting projectable traits that I think could make him a worthwhile pick in the first couple rounds. Um, plus, maintaining control on 85% of offensive transitions is pretty neat too. And a lot of that was done with someone draped all over him, and he is a pretty confident player that way. Um, who's a good example of a big defenseman who can skate well and shows some good shutdown defensive chops? Noah Warren is the first one that comes to mind. I, I've, I've liked what I've seen of Noah Warren. Um, he is a good example. Tristan Luneau, I think, also is a pretty interesting player. I haven't tracked either of those guys, but I will, um, both of them separately. Uh, a, a big defenseman who can skate well and has some good shutdown chops. Yeah, I would say Luneau and Noah Warren stick out that way. Um, at times, Leon Bichelle as well, but it's tough with him because, you know, Leon Bichelle kind of reminds me a little bit of a more defensive leaning Owen Power. Like they skate very similarly. They have equal, very similar sort of skating patterns and pivoting issues, but they just like he, 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 like Owen Power for a guy his age, like Leon Bichelle and Owen Power should hang out because Owen Power could learn a thing about how to be more physical and intense defensively from a guy like uh, Leon Bichelle. But Leon Bichelle does not have the offensive ability or the or the forward skating ability that Power does. But the defensive game, I think, is kind of there. And that's, a, I think, a big reason why he's in the SHL after being largely in, I believe, the Swiss Junior League last year, which is pretty wild. That's a big jump. Um, but yeah, that guy is the, 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 the Tristan Luno and Noah Warren, both on Gatineau are guys that I've seen that are big and I think solid defensive players. Um, Warren's offensive game, I think his puck management is a little bit cumbersome and questionable, but he's pretty solid. Um, maybe Philip Norberg and Maverick Lamoureux as well. Um, I really like Philip Nordberg in Sweden, but he's got a bit more offense to his game, uh, than, than strong defense, but he is a big boy. So yeah, we'll go with Luno and uh and and Noah Warren. Uh, uh, uh Braden Sherman is a guy you should take a look at. Yeah, I did watch him the other night. Um I I don't know if I I mean, I like the release like you said. He's got a pretty good finishing ability. He's scoring a lot of points to start the year on the terrible terrible Victoria Royals. Um but I don't know. I haven't seen the wheels you speak of. I I haven't seen it. Um he's I don't know. I came away thinking that he was fine. I don't know. I he didn't really move the needle when I watched him. Um but I'll 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 check back in on him if the scoring keeps up because scoring like he has on a team that bad uh is worth keeping an eye on. Thomas, hello Thomas. Uh I know it's early but Ryan Tverberg has 5 points in 3 games. Do you see an NHL play? Well, a good exercise is uh when this happens is um who has Ryan Tverberg played against? You know, like I saw a lot of people looking at how, oh my God, Michigan's incredible. And they are. They're a very good team. 
but their first two opponents were uh, Lake Superior State University, who is not a very, very high-level NCAA program, really. I mean, they're okay, but not quite the same level as Michigan. Um, so is this Denver? Oh, no, Sacred Heart. So Tverberg scored three points against Sacred Heart University. Eh, you know, meh. And and two goals against Boston University in two games. So that's fine. That that's solid. I never was super enthralled with Ryan Tverberg. I watched a couple of games of him because he was scoring pretty well in the OJHL. And I mean, the thing that I've learned over the years is that the OJHL is just not any junior A league. Like you got to set your bar extremely high. Um, I get the feeling that Tverberg is a, is a long shot, but you know, he's he's always got the skill. That, that 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 Toronto loves um you know and i i think he's improve he's going to improve uh as a prospect like i think for a 7th round pick he's coming along pretty well um but i mean again i'm not i'm not i'm not it's only been 3 games he's played 17 NCAA games like i'm going to i'm going to be patient i think um definitely definitely be a little be a little patient uh what else do we have here next thoughts on Jack Devine yeah, so I tracked Jack Devine this week. Uh, I tracked both NCAA draft eligibles, or at least two of them. Um, and he had a great game. Uh, I, I felt that he didn't quite have as much to do with it as a lot of other guys on his team. Um, I'm going to need to remember, because I get him and Jack Hughes mixed up. Jack Devine is the one that plays for Northeastern. No, he plays. So he's the one who plays with Denver, um, and I'm pretty sure I was more impressed with Jack Hughes, even though Jack Hughes didn't have the best game on paper. Um, but I, I like Jack Devine, if I'm recalling correctly. Kind of more of a physical, energy, grindy guy. Um, some interesting skill as well. Like he was sending a lot of passes out in front, which I like to see. Twenty percent of his pass attempts were dangerous. Um, his transition game was kind of meh. Both ends, it was just kind of okay. Um, but like, that's not the end of the world, especially for an NCAA freshman who's 18 years old. So I'll, I'll, I'll forgive it. Um, and you know, again, I think he, I think he had the benefit of some really good line mates, but he looked pretty good. Um, again, a guy that I want to see more of, I'll do a few more games. Um, but I, I, I liked him. I thought he, for, especially for an NCAA freshman that's draft eligible, like I thought he looked pretty good and he's, he's been scoring pretty well as well, uh, from what I remember. But Jack Hughes, I think has a bit more um pace to his game a bit more puck skill a bit better puck control um whereas jack divine is much more of a you know almost like a facility pod colson type guy where he works hard and and makes plays that go to the front of the net a lot um without you know i mean pod colson crashes the net quite a bit more than a guy like jack divine has but in terms of getting pucks to the net um and doing it through a strong forecheck then yeah i think i think divine is up there um and he has a great name Jack Divine. It's it's wonderful. At least I'm pretty sure it's Divine. Usually I watch games on mute, but I think I remember that from last year's interview. Uh Jack Hughes to the Devils this year would be a very smart play. Yes, that would be very fun. Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes, and uh the other one. <laughs> I know it's Luke. I know I know it's Luke. I got it. Don't worry. Uh do you have any early front runners for your yearly underrated draft pit draft picks? Sorry. Do you have any front runners for your yearly underrated prospects you really like but think won't get drafted, like Tihacek or Gustafsson? 
Uh, Joel Jonsson uh, in Sweden, I would draft him, and he is, I haven't seen anyone mention him ever, and he's playing for a team that not many people pay attention to. Uh, I have him ranked, I think, at 60th, 61st. Joel Jonsson. He plays for Mora, who's actually off to a pretty good start in the Super Elite this year, or uh, National League, I should say. Um, I like him. He's got a lot of pace and a lot of skill and a great shot on him. Um, too good for the under-18 level, so they called him up, and he's scoring, I think, a point per game or more uh, in the uh, in the Swedish Junior League. So I've, I've liked him a lot with that team. Um, let me just, you know, uh, kill some time while I pull him up. Um... I'm pretty sure he's a bit bigger than this now. Like he didn't look this scrawny when I watched him play. Um, he was at the Holinka, and I but I never noticed him. Um, but I've definitely noticed him with Mora's junior team this year. So I'll have my eye on him. Probably do a game or a little bit more than a you know do a game or a few games of him. Um, but yeah, I dig him. I'm a fan. Anyone else? But yeah, I I, I don't know if he would get drafted though. You know, like I I like him, but he kind of flies under the radar on a program that flies under the radar a little bit. Maybe a team might pick up on him, but but I like him a lot. Um, anyone else? Um, usually those are guys like on my watch list. I think Sander Vold Engebroten going back to Norway to play pro. I mean, he's scoring pretty well for a defenseman in that league at that age. And, you know, I don't think there's much there. But he does look better than I remember him looking in Sweden uh, when I watched him play when he came over. And so, but I don't think he'll get drafted. Um, I, I don't think Dario Sidler is going to stay on my watch list all year after watching him this year. Um, I mean, I would love to see Alexander Suvorov get drafted. He's scoring points in the KHL and barely getting used. But, I mean, I've always really liked Suvorov, and I think there's something there with him. But, again, he's five foot seven or whatever, so who knows who's going to draft him, if anybody. Uh, who else? You know, I like he, – he only has – it's like he only has one point this year. But Kenta Isagai is, is – <clears throat> I'll make the joke now to get it out of the way. Kenta Isagai is a guy. There it is. No, but I, I, I've liked Kenta Isagai. I mean, I, I, I first really saw him play for the Japanese junior team a few years ago, um, and I liked him more than Yusaku Ando there. And last year I watched Youngstown a little bit. They're not good, but Kenta Isagai is one of the more exciting players on that team. Um, you know, a really interesting 200-foot guy. Again, I don't know. Like, he struggles to produce because he doesn't really have that, you know, screw you energy that can get pucks to the net one way or the other. But away from the offensive side of the game, I think he plays pretty well. And I'll, I'll have my eye on him. I want to track data on him because um, I'm curious about him. And he's not scoring a ton of points, which is a bit troublesome. But I've always kind of liked him, and maybe, but he might just be one of these sort of guys that zip around uh, zip around the ice all night, making nice little defensive plays here and there, but never really doing much with it because when you, when you, when you look like, when you play like how Isagai plays, but you don't score, that generally seems to be what's happening. Um, Jordan Millette, howdy. What's up? David St. Louis with a question. Oh, geez. Okay. What are the chances Matthew Savoy beats Shane Wright for number one overall? Need a breather for a minute. Need to, need to take it. <clears throat> mm. 
I think I think it's David David between you and me. I I I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Possible. Um yeah. I mean I I've tracked both. I, I tracked both today. Um and I'm I'm kind of stammering a little because I feel like I need to choose my words very carefully, especially because it's only October. And we're talking about a player who's so far two players. One has been so far unanimous at number one. And the other one almost su- across the board surprisingly low. Um you know, I don't know. Oh jeez. I gotta see that again. Oh jeez. <laughs> Dylan Larkin just <laughs> Damn. Wow. Dylan Larkin gets tossed into the boards and punches Pat Maroon Pat Maroon right in the face. Holy smokes. I mean, Patrick Maroon pushes the envelope quite a lot. Yikes. Uh, we'll get back to Shane Wright in a second. That looked nasty. That was uh, unhappy. Unhappy times. Um... Oh, it was Matthew Joseph. Oh, boy. I thought that was Patrick Maroon. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so with Shane Wright, didn't do a whole lot for me in the game I watched. He produced, uh, he had a goal. It was kind of funny. I mean, I watched him, and he had, uh, he had one, like, in the first period, for the first three minutes of ice time, he literally did nothing. No transitions going either direction, just kind of floated around the ice, Found his way to the front of the net three minutes into the game. Two high danger shot two high danger shot attempts just presented themselves to him and, and in he goes. And they, you know, and he scores a goal three minutes into the game. So that's nice and looks fun in the data. Um but you know, and, and he got better as the game went on. But I, I mean I I didn't see the guy who to me is like unanimous first overall draft pick. Again, he didn't play last year. He was hurt at the under-18s. You know, it's the first. It was like the second or third game of the year. It's not over. This, this is this. People are still getting back into the swing of things here. But, I mean, I also watch Matthew Savoy, and Savoy didn't have quite the production, uh, I don't think, that, 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 that uh, Shane Wright did. But, you know, like... It is not it is not uh the craziest assumption to have these guys closer together. Like you have a guy who you know Shane Wright allowed much more def- much much more dangerous shot attempts against in his game rather than Matthew Savoy did produce better offensively. Um you know Matthew Savoy oops uh Matthew Savoy had trouble. You know he didn't have any dangerous shot attempts, but he had quite a few dangerous passes. Shane Wright did not have as many. Um, you know, similar offensive transition control. 
they both did not stop a single defensive transition, but Savoy was involved in more often, often, uh, more, uh, more off, more, uh, Savoy was involved in more of them, but he still didn't shut down any of them. Um, but I don't think you're drafting Matthew Savoy for his, uh, defensive game, and at least he's trying. Um, but, you know, Shane Wright was also much more active along the defensive blue line, getting pucks out of the defensive end. So it seems like in the game, and this kind of lines up to what I was seeing with Shane Wright, like the game I watched, he was very much a solid defensive positional center who can get the puck out of his own end to a guy like Paul Ludwinski, who is a much higher motor guy who really, really grinds his way around the ice and has some good pace to him. And Martin Kromiak is on that line as well. So those guys primarily get the puck in the offensive zone. Shane Wright does not. And then Shane Wright finds space in the offensive zone and, and, and is the end result of chances to, to put the puck in the net. He's got an unbelievable shot. You know, you can't take that away from him. But, I mean, I look at Matthew Savoy, the evasive skill, the agility, the intensity moving up the ice that he has, the power and pace. I mean, I'm it's, fu- it's funny. Like, Shane Wright universally has been put at number one. Matthew Savoy has been almost universally put a lot lower than I would have expected. And he's only been in like eight, nine, tenth overall on most lists. To me, he's the only one who I think holds a candle to, to Shane Wright at number one right now. I think Brad Lambert's too frustrating. Ivan Moroshnashenko has not really shown me a ton this year that puts him up that up on that level. Um who else? Uh, Logan Cooley. I just don't think he's quite on that level. I, he's, I love Logan Cooley's play a lot, but I don't think he's quite there. Danila Yurov, same thing. Like him a lot. Don't think he's on that level. And I think with Matthew Savoy, I mean, he was like, what, a point and a half per game in the USHL last year, which is insane. You know, I, I, I came away. I, I mean, it's objectively true to me that Matthew Savoy is more of one of those electrifying players than Shane Wright, at least to me, to my eye. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I've i been very surprised. And last year, there was a bit of an inkling in my head of like, you know, I like Shane Wright, but like people are really jumping all over themselves to put him at number one. And I'm not sure I was on that boat at the time. Um, but I also chalked that up to, oh, he didn't play in the OHL and he was, a, you know, at the under 18s, he might have been a little bit hurt. Um But even when he was playing with Kingston, I thought, you know, he's got two more years to get better. But I didn't, you know, like he was very good. Anyway, but I I look at those two guys and go, yeah, I could see both of those guys, you know, going toe-to-toe, at least for me. And and Savoy, I would not count it out, to be perfectly honest with you, David. So good question. I was hoping someone would ask a question like that. So, of course, it was you. Um, But, yeah, not... That, that's my hot take of the day, and I know it's October 14th, so we got a long ways to go, but in my head, it's pretty unequivocally true that everything that I'm saying is 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 how I see it, and I literally tracked Shane Wright three hours ago, uh, and Savoy was a little while ago, but Savoy is a player who sticks in your head. Um, I've been fighting to sneeze for like 30 seconds, so sorry, uh, but it's it wants to go away, but it won't. Um... Sean Boyd. Hello, Sean. Sorry I'm late. There's the door. Lock yourself out. Please stay. Please clap. Um, have you gone over your sleeper prospects for 2022? No, and uh, it. I'm assuming everybody's watching NHL hockey tonight, so it's a bit slow, so I'll try to milk this one a little bit. 
Um, sleeper prospects for 2022. Ilya Kovachko is one in, uh, in, in Magnitogorsk. Uh, Yanni Newman is another one that I haven't heard much about from anyone. Kali Odelius is a really good player. Uh, he was really good at the Holinka, and he's been great uh, at the Swedish junior level. I really like Kali Odelius. He might be in my first round at the end of the year. I don't hear very many people talking about him, but I know he's making the rounds a little bit. Um, big, big fan of Kali Odelius. Uh, he's in a tier that stretches all the way up to 17th, and I honestly, by the end of the year, I could see him being a guy that, that ends up that high, especially for how young he is. Um, Tyler Duke is another one that I've really, really liked again, especially because of how young he is. Uh, Philip Mashar. I, I know some people are talking about him, but I really like Philip Mashar. Uh, Yuri Kulik. There's a lot of them, I think. Um, you kind of just have to turn over a few rocks overseas, especially to find them. Everybody's paying attention to Danila Yurov, but Ilya Kovachko is right there too. You know, everybody's paying attention to Ivan Miroshnashenko, but Gleb Trikazov is there too. Um... You know, everybody's paying attention to Simon Nemish. They're not on the same team, but they're playing in the Slovakian Pro League. Philip Mashar, right there too. Everybody's looking at Ryan Chesley and Seamus Casey and Rutger McGordy and all those NTDP guys. But I look at Tyler Duke and go, if you can set aside size, like if you can set aside the idea of if you're not six foot two, you can't play defense in the NHL. Tyler Duke still plays really good defensive hockey and he's five foot nine, five foot ten. Um, and his offensive hockey, I think, has a lot of room to grow. I've seen a couple of, like, I watched one game where he put a puck off the post in the first period, and in the second period set up Rutger McGroarty right in front of the net, I think, and he missed the net. Um, you know, like, Tyler Duke could easily be a better offensive creator than he already is um, in terms of production, so I'll keep my eye on him. Uh, who else is up there? I mean, those are the ones that I'm legitimately very excited about, I'd say. Alexander Pelevin is another one on defense. So Pelevin, Kali Odelius, um, Ilya Kvochko, Yanni Newman, Yuri Kulik, Philip Mashar. Uh, is this where Moritz Sider scores his first career goal and Detroit loses their mind? They want him. They want him to shoot. Anyway, back to the stream. Back to talking to you people, because I don't want to get carried away. Um, but yeah, those are the guys that I'd probably pitch as 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 sort of sleeper guys that I've liked so far this year and liked a lot. Oh wow. So it turns out the vaccine, uh, turns out not taking a vaccine makes you incredible at hockey. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi with a hat trick. Remarkable. Um, anyway, uh, by the way, that's a joke. Uh, if you haven't gotten a vaccine, please do it. That's a, that was a, that was a very, very silly joke. It was a joke. Very dumb not to get a vaccine. Sorry. Um, is Gleb your gem this year like Marat or Scott Morrow? Maybe I have another one. Gleb, I mean, I've got Gleb ranked in the top, 10th overall, and he's not ranked by anyone that I've seen so far. So yes, yes, Gleb Trikazov so far is a guy that I've got way higher than pretty much everybody because, yeah, it, it, 
if you can go on the VHL YouTube page, find some Omsky, uh, Kirillia Omsky games and watch Gleb Trikazov from a while ago when he was playing. Cause he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and I think there's a lot of headroom there. Um, but in terms of other ones, I mean, Tyler Duke is another one, another one that I haven't seen ranked very much at all. I've, I maybe I've seen a couple of people rank him in the second round, but I think he's much better than that. Uh, Yuri Kulik is another one. Um, but in terms of the guy that I think is like straight up really good, Gleb. Gleb. G-L-E-B. That's it. Just Gleb. Who are some players that thrive on the physical game with enough skill to possibly make it? Yurichek, uh, I'd say, is up there. Um, Frank Nazar as well. Um, 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 Ivan Moroshnashenko, at least based on what I've seen this year, could be one of those. There's more than I remember seeing in previous years, for sure. Uh, Yanni Newman. Um, who else? Those guys would be the ones that I would mention first. Me, oh, Slavkovsky as well. So we'll just go down the list there. Uh, Miroshnashenko, Nazar, Slavkovsky, Juracek. Uh, bip, 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 bip. uh who else did i say i forgot already maybe connor geeky maybe maybe but no guarantees maybe he's a bit more of a offensive skill guy than that i think but um yeah yanni newman's another one i'm trying to think of others at least that are ranked high on my list well i did not think that the detroit red wings would be winning one uh halfway through this game really did not think that was going to happen and uh lucas raymond gets his first nhl point i think i could be wrong but good for him that's my boy that's lucas raymond for you um helps that he's playing on the power play who would you draft first between eklund and stutzla very good question um but eklund uh i agree with david st louis very good question but eklund um William Eklund is, uh, I think William Eklund has more practical smarts for the game. Um, his ability to survey the ice and identify an actual play that, that can lead to production, I think is better than Stutzla. Um, Stutzla can shoot the puck, I think, quite, you know, he can, he can really shoot it. Uh, and he does have tremendous straight line skill and, and, and creativity. But I think Eklund has the better all-around package that I, I like more. Um... I'm proud of your hot take. I mean, yeah, that is pretty hot, at least right now. Uh, I, I mean, you know, look, I mean, I've been in the game long enough to learn that you do have to listen to other people. You do have to talk to them. But you don't got to believe every word they say. And um, I think we've seen enough years in a row now, like with players who have gone first overall. And... Maybe there's just more really, really good players and the teams that pick them and how they develop them can turn them into better players. Alexi Lafreniere, Jack Hughes, um, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, look at 2017, um, Nico Heischer. You could make the argument that in pretty much all of those draft years, at least as of October 14th, 2021, players not named those players have had a little bit more success. Um, so for me, 
if I get to the end of this season and literally everybody and their dog still has Shane Wright number one, and I am the quote unquote reactionary who doesn't, which again, like I said, is possible, unlikely, but possible, especially as of today, then so be it. And if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But I also know like, yes, you have to talk to people and listen to people. But like I said, you don't have to listen. And the list that you put out is a good way to check yourself. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really mind the hot takes anymore because, you know, I just, I know what I see and I, and if I'm wrong, then I have to explore why. And if I'm right, then yay. Um, but so far, so far Shane Wright's still at number one, but him and Savoy are the only ones in that top tier. Maybe Lambert gets back in there, but, but right now it's those two. Uh, Seb, when are you signing with Buffalo as their head scout? Uh, whenever this thing rings, this is a, this is a, f uh, telephone. Whenever this rings, um, and it's Kevin Adams or Sam Ventura on the other line, uh, and they say, hey, love what you do. Uh, we'd love to make you shut up and move across the border, uh, 45 minutes down the road, uh, and join the Buffalo Sabres. That's when that happens. Um, hasn't happened yet. Might happen. Maybe, maybe it'll happen tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe, maybe next week, maybe two weeks. I don't know. Um, but I try not to live my life expecting that phone call. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, so when it, it, if it happens, it'll happen. But uh, so far, this thing, the only calls this thing's been getting lately, and I don't know if this is true for anyone else, um, the, I, I basically have gotten nothing but spam. I got a, I got a voicemail message from Manitoba that had nothing on it today. That was fun. My phone has just straight up not rung and it goes straight to voicemail and I have messages and it doesn't even ring. Um, the CRA, the Canadian Revenue Agency has threatened to me like 40,000 times. The last time I got a phone call from someone that is a person I know was like six phone calls ago. So that's, that's how, that's the kind of phone activity I'm dealing with. Um, Riley Kidney stepping up to the plate in the queue early on. Yep. Uh, Riley Kidney's a guy who I always felt was going to score in the, my, in the, in the junior leagues. I didn't, I didn't think that was in question. My thing with him was just projection. I just don't think I saw an NHL player there. You know, I liked, I liked Cole Hawkins quite a bit and I like Kidney as a skilled offensive guy. I like him as a junior player, but I'm not sure about him down the road in the NHL. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on him, but I d Jacob Melanson is the one that I liked a lot with, uh, with, with Akadee Bathurst last year, other than Cole Huckins. Um, how do you think Dawson Mercer will do in his rookie season? I, I mean, I think Dawson Mercer is going to do just fine. I mean, the thing with Dawson Mercer, I've said that I was on a devil's show. I think it was last night. Um, and they asked me about Dawson Mercer, and I watched a bit of Dawson Mercer tape. And the thing about Dawson Mercer, in his draft year, my thing was always, okay, the talent is there. You can see what he's capable of, and the offensive skill and the finishing ability, it's all there. It was just very inconsistent for me, especially defensively. It was a, He was a guy who I think was just waiting for the game to turn around and turn around offensively for him. But he could certainly score points. And that seems to have followed him. But I think that what I noticed last year in his D plus one was that there was a bit more of that two-way intensity, a bit more of that grinding and a little bit more of that play at your best mode um, stretched out over, a, over the season rather than in the short spurts that I was seeing in the games when I tracked him. 
you know, I thought it was a pretty nice low upside or a low risk pick for the Devils there at 18. And I see David St. Louis' question about Hendricks Lapierre. Um, you know, I really thought Hendricks Lapierre was the easy pick at 20 for me if I'm a New Jersey Devil guy because you've picked two really easy, good picks in Holtz and, and Mercer, and you've got three first round picks. You may as well swing big on the third, and the biggest swing was Hendricks Lapierre. Um, now, David. To answer your question about Hendricks Lapierre, I don't know. I didn't see much of that Washington game last night. I watched like half of the first period and then switched over to a different one. Um, so I, but I do want to go and watch Hendricks Lapierre's tape. So I'll just write that down so I don't forget. Um, and I will also say that this is a nice tie-in. Um, I will say that uh, next. Um, uh, 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 um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So next week or next week for the stream, like I said, we'll have some special guests, perhaps, maybe, I don't know, maybe, 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 maybe. Um, and, uh, the McKean's video squad, we're going to be starting to do some stuff about guys who are entering the rookie season. So if you watched any of those rookie reports last year that I did, so Alexi Lafreniere got one, Alex Romanov got another one. Um, I'm going to, uh, cut those for this year and just strictly focus on the live stream in terms of YouTube content this year. And we're going to move those to a team effort over at uh, McKean's. So look for those coming in the next little bit once these guys get some NHL tape and it's tagged and put up on those services online to watch that tape and, and, and get some get some video going and some data going. But yeah, so those are things that are going to happen. So with Hendricks LaPierre, he might be one. William Eklund might be one. And since there's no video editing involved this year, uh, it'll be a lot quicker to put them together. Uh, and again, a reminder, if you're not in the know, you should go follow Greg Revac on Twitter and Sam McGilligan, the two other members of the video squad over at McKean's, and you'll see more coming from us in the coming weeks. Um, but to answer the Dawson Mercer question, I think he'll do just fine. You can slot him in on the second or third line and expect him to put in a good 200-foot game. With Alexander Holtz, you don't really get that luxury, and I think that's a big reason why he's in junior. Plus, Dawson Mercer has been playing on North American ice his entire life, and Alexander Holtz has not. Um, and you would, I, I would think that a few games in, in uh, Utica would do him well. And at the end of the day, he might be an interesting player to have up in the NHL roster before too long. I know your hate towards the form of the draft is limitless. Well, I don't know about hatred. I would be... I would be on team, uh, I am on team abolish the draft, um, but I don't hate the draft. I love the draft. It's why I do what I do. Um, but I would like, it would be, it would be nice, uh, if we could just do away with it, but we won't get into that for the 70th time. Um, and all, yeah, let's do it with fab. All teams start with a thousand dollars and bid on players. Um, I would love to do that. Like literally turning it into like you auction off the player's rights and the player gets that money. Like, I think that would be awesome. You know, like you can keep your ELCs with the salary limitations or whatever. It would be kind of fun just to have players and say, look, here's a like teams bid on the player for the right, for their rights to sign them to an ELC. And the, the, the money goes to that player or something. I don't know. It could be kind of fun. But I feel like there are I feel like there are caveats to that. Um, but if two teams kind of get in a bidding war, like about Alexi Lafreniere or something, you know, is Alexi Lafreniere walking home with a, you know, ten million dollar bonus check from the 
from and it would literally i mean people love to call the nhl draft the boy auction but that would literally be an auction and uh be kind of fun have you seen any of nathan gaucher his first game was a mixed bag of meh which made me skeptical of some of the super duper high rankings yeah i wouldn't have him super duper high uh i i've seen him once and i didn't really again i i, I agree i thought he was kind of meh He's a big physical guy, so maybe that's putting him higher on some boards, but I'm not, I don't know. I haven't looked at him in detail, and when I see guys like that who, when I watch them just sort of uh, passively, when I watch guys like Nathan Gaucher and I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not super interested in him, and then just ignore them, I usually try not to do that and try to at least circle back and watch and track some games um, and then decide. Um, so with Gaucher... I'll I'll track some games, um, but those are the guys that I might wait a little bit because there are some guys that I'm legitimately excited about that I want to get to, and Gaucher is not quite one of them. Um, David St. Louis again. David, what's up? I've been I haven't been all that excited about Q prospects in general so far. Did you watch a few? Yeah, I have actually. Um, let's see. So these are the Q guys that I have. Oops. These are the Q guys that I actually have ranked. Um, none of them are in the first round. Uh, I don't think any of them, I think, have been particularly exciting. I like Tristan Luneau. You know, I, I think that there could be an interesting second or third pair guy, but again, I haven't tracked him, but maybe there's, a, there's something there with him. Justin Cote, I like, and I want to like more. Um, but I don't know how much of his game projects. Antonin Vero, same thing. I mean, I think Antonin Vero is very much like Matthew Ward in the WHL, who's also five foot eight and kind of a skilled guy. I'm just not sure it's enough. Like when you're five foot eight, you got to have a really high bar to clear. Like I watched Logan Stankoven last year. I have no doubt in my mind that that guy could be a really, really talented NHL player with the skill and speed, tenacity, intensity, shot quality, playmaking. It's all there. Barrow, I don't quite see that. I don't, I mean, his scoring has gotten better as the year has gone on. And I, I, I do want to track a game of his and he's on my list for the next couple of weeks. Um, but I have been a little bit disappointed in him so far this year. And the rest of these guys like Warren, Vidicek, Gendron, Gendron, uh, 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 Lamoureux, and uh, Daniel Bourroche is on the watch list right now, but I might take him off all those guys are not particularly exciting. You know, there's not a lot of exciting guys in the queue. So I guess you're right. Um, but the one, there are guys that I think are legit guys like Luno and Cote. I think Noah Warren could be an interesting one, but outside of that, I'm not seeing a ton that's really moving the needle for me so far this season, but it's still very early. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some names. Uh, 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 um, well, I mean, I wonder now I wonder, are there any players on the full tracker that are QMJHL? Oh, no, that's not the, that's not it. This is it. Q. Um, just looking at other QMJHL guys here. None of them really either ring a bell or are really exciting to me. I remember watching Jordan Dumay last year and not being blown away. Nathan Gaucher, same thing. Um, 
you know, even re-entry, like Leighton Carruthers, I'm kind of dumbfounded as to how that guy went third overall and fetched as much as he did from Ron Naranda. I, I was disappointed in, in, in watching him the off season. Um, Sam Savoy again, similar. Um, yeah. Yeah. David, um, unfortunately, I think your uh, home province is a little bit lacking this year. Sorry, bud. Uh, Danny Jilkin thoughts. He's a guy who I have actually got queued up to watch some tape of not track just yet. Cause I want to get a bit of, bit of a bigger sample of the OJ of the OHL. But uh, I like I liked Jilkin at the U18s. I think he was there. Am I wrong? Um, but yeah, he's got good hands, like you said. He's got good evasive skill. But I'm not sure what else is is quite on the on the on the plate there. You do not necessarily want to mess with Giovanni Smith. That's right. Yeah, but Danny Jilkin is a guy who I haven't laid eyes on for an extended period of time yet. So I'll do so over the next week, and you can ask me again next week. Um, my subscriber count is 6.66. It is, it is. And that, I mean, I've, I've artificially tried to keep it there by, by, by shadow banning people who subscribe to my own channel. That's how I do it. Um, I, I hack into the databases in Google headquarters and alphabet Google headquarters and hack the mainframe and delete everybody. So I always stay at 6,660 subscribers. Um, but I'm just kidding. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's an iconic number. It's a good number. Um, Hail Satan. Uh, okay, looks like the last question of the night. Uh, unless there's more, get them in now. Uh, because if I uh, can, uh, you know, if I can, if I can, if I can dip, then I can dip. Like I'm in school. I don't actually. I don't actually need. I I love it. Quiet always to start the year. Uh, while talking about while talking about bonus checks, do you think it's a handicap for Ottawa to never give signing bonus after their players entry level contracts? P.S. Please keep saying French names. Oh, bien sûr. Uh, J'aime le français. Les non-français. There are some fun French. It's it's always, you know, like, I'm a Canadian. I'm from Toronto, but I feel like we should actually try to learn French, just like how the French try to learn English. We should try. I remember being in high school and nobody cared about French. I took French literature. Uh, because I liked it. I like French. It's a much cooler sounding language than English, I'll tell you that much. Um, like, ugh. My, my grandfather, who was not French, um, but went, but spent a long time in France in his life, considering, you know, he went to, in World War II. Um, he, uh, he, he was in France, and he always called me Guillaume. And if Guillaume, uh, like, Guillaume is objectively just a better word. Uh, it is a better word than 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 William. It's just better. Uh, so yeah, um, I'll keep saying French names in a French accent because they're French. Um, and I'm trying to do that more with European names. Um, but those some of those are tough. Still figuring out the Slovakian ones. <laughs> Um, but what do I think of bonus checks? Do I think it's a handicap for Ottawa to never give out signing bonuses after their players entry level contracts? Um, it's, I mean, it's more troubling for the players because the players, you know, like it's, it's all about finding compromise and negotiating common ground, right? I think that in terms of a handicap, I don't think it really is one. 
it's a handicap for the player just in case there's a lockout. And this is the NHL, so never count out the chance of there being a lockout. So for Bra- uh, since you're talking about Brady, I imagine you reference this because of Brady Kachuk getting paid in all salary. And there are others, but him, he's the most recent example. You know, if I'm sitting at that negotiating table, it seemed like the big hang-up was term. They wanted Brady to stay for a couple of more years and then really cash out, let's say, after Ottawa goes to a conference final or something and Brady Kachuk bangs and crashes his way through the Vegas Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup or something. I don't know. Um, Then they're thinking, well, then he might be a $13 million player for eight years and Ottawa would be stupid to let him go. And Ottawa's going, yeah, but we're not exposing ourselves to that kind of risk down the road. And then Brady Kachuk goes, well, if you want to sign us for eight years, you better pay us, you know, $9 million a year. You know, that's where we think, that's where we think he's at. So you go, okay, then we're not going to pay your pay, you you know, and if they, and if they want signing bonuses, because everybody wants signing bonuses these days, then Ottawa's going to go, well, of course not, not at all. Um, not, not at all. And so the common ground might have been, well, okay, fine. From Kachuk's side, the capitulation was, we'll give it to you in full salary. We'll give you an eight-year extension. Fine. And the capitulation from Ottawa is, we'll overpay. Fine. Because you don't want Brady Kachuk missing games, especially this season. Like, this is the year where Ottawa needs to get out of the basement. I think they're good enough to do so. But they're not going to do it without Brady Kachuk. And I think Brady Kachuk is a rock-solid two-way player. I don't think he's a elite NHL player, but he's very, very, very good. And it would be much more difficult to get out of the basement without Brady Kachuk than with him. So I look at Brady Kachuk in that contract and go, yeah, you're overpaying. But in this situation, like you kind of have to pull some teeth and get her done because both sides seem pretty dug in. And I think at some point you just pick up the phone and go, let's have enough of this nonsense. Let's get you playing. Let's get you playing and signed to a contract so you don't lose money. Um, let's figure something out here. And plus, if he waited to sign, his cap number would go up in the first year of the contract, which also, I mean, for Ottawa, isn't, isn't much of a big deal, but it, you never know. So I think it's, a, I don't know if it's just blanket terminology, it's just a handicap, but I do think that there's pros and cons to it. Pros and cons for the team, for sure, because they can spread out that expense much, much more effectively. And a con for the player, because... They're not getting signing bonuses, and if there's a lockout, then that's a problem. And who know? And who knows? You know, like if they were only, if he was only slated to make two million dollars in salary plus bonus in the last year, and then by that time taxes are higher, he's not going to care as much if he's paid in, you know, a large signing bonus this year and next year where he gets paid a lot of his money up front. Who knows? I don't know. It's a trade-off. But I think it was just like, all right, look, you want a long-term deal? Fine, but it's got to be on our terms. You know. And I think that's reasonable. And I think that's just part of negotiating. Uh, It's just a matter of how dug in both sides are. He seemed pretty dug in. Ottawa seemed pretty dug in. So the compromises are going to be pretty intense. And I I think that's what that entails. But again, I think you're right that it seems like they do look at it as like that's their priority. It's like we don't want to be given out bonuses because we need that cost-controlled expenditure. And if there is a lockout, we don't owe these guys money. So that's also a bonus. Um, will it, will it hack, will it screw them in the future? Maybe, maybe, but it hasn't yet. They signed Shabbat. They signed, they signed, uh, they signed Brady. Stutzla will be the next one after next season. So we'll see what happens then.
At least I think it's Stutzla is the next one. Um, we don't try. We learn English. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I mean, I yeah, on, be, on behalf of all Anglophones in Canada, we do a terrible job of being a bilingual country, and it's mostly our fault. Um, so no wonder a lot of Quebecers are not the biggest fans of us stupid Anglophones. Um, especially because French is awesome. I like such a wonderful language. Um, okay, last question of the night from Travis Charlotte. Charlotte? Charlet? Uh, oh, Norris is the next one. Okay, fine, Norris. But I mean, I mean, will who's going to make more money, right? Like, who's going to be the more important negotiation, Norris or Stutzla? Probably Stutzla, but Norris, I mean, Norris could get one of those Batherson contracts for all I know. Um, does it seem Rangers have trouble developing forwards like Kravtsov and Leah Sanderson, or is it the player's fault? I think the Rangers have trouble developing Europeans. Um, you know, Hartford, I mean, Kravtsov was playing bottom six minutes in the AHL and not playing on the power play, from what I remember. The same thing goes for Leah Sanderson. That's inexcusable. And both of those guys have gone on the record saying that they just feel alienated. And, you know, especially Leah Sanderson. And I don't fault him. You know, like, they, you can't, you can't take a 20-year-old kid. Like, again, I try to explain this, like, and I've never been in this situation, but I, I try to explain it, um, I try to explain it as, like, flip the script a little bit, right? Like, I've been to Russia in my life. It is a different planet. It literally top to bottom, like the culture, mannerisms, the language, the people, the society, the government, the everything is totally different. And if I were 17 years old and say Canada wasn't, you know, let's say the NHL was actually the KHL and the KHL was actually the NHL. And I grew up, and at 17 years old, I'm playing in the NHL for uh, SKA Toronto. And I'm doing pretty well, and uh, the St. Petersburg Rangers draft me 10th overall. And I spend two more years in Canada as a teenager, and then I'm brought over, and instead of playing in St. Petersburg, I'm playing in, like, Sibir, in, like, the middle of Siberia, right? I mean, I've been to Vermont or Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut, I'm pretty sure. I've been to a I've been to places in that region. Some are better than others. And if I'm transplanted into a place overseas, I don't know the language very well. I think he was the only Russian on the team. I could be wrong. Um and I, if I was the only English speaker on a team with a bunch of coaches and they clearly didn't know what to do with me, and instead they just played me on the bottom six and were just kind of leaving me there as like an afterthought, completely disregarding the fact that I'm a top draft pick, it would make me feel pretty bad. And, you know, if my NHL head coach looks at me as being six foot two, like Vitaly Kravtsov and goes, why aren't you more physical? Why aren't you an energy guy? Why aren't you this? Why aren't you that? Like, that's kind of what the Rangers are looking for. If I wasn't giving them that and I'm like, well, I'm more of a skill-based guy and I, you know, I don't really carry the puck that much, just... I'm a catch-and-shoot guy, but I can really catch it, and I can really shoot it, and I've really got some good skills. So put me on the power play. Like, put me with some puck-moving guys who can play with me. Like, let's figure this out. And that never happens. Then that would be frustrating. I think that Kravtsov has always been, though, a little bit overrated in terms of the actual impact on the game he brings. When he was drafted, I was shocked. 
I thought he would be a top 20 pick, like maybe, but I did not think he was a top 10 pick. And I don't know in what universe, like I remember at the time going, okay, like the Rangers have a catch and release shooter here. Great. Cool. But they passed on a lot, you know, Leah Sanderson is the exact same thing. Like if Leah Sanderson is a solid third line guy for the LA Kings, I would come away thinking that that's about what I expected when he was draft eligible. Like nothing flashy, but like a solid 200 foot guy who can chip in. And like, if you get that at 22nd overall, you that's good. That's a good pickup. But it seems like the expectations were way too high. And when he failed to meet them, off he went. And, and you know, LA so far has been up and down, but there's been damage over the years. But, you know... A lot of the guys who found success with the Rangers are the guys who have skipped the AHL. Keandre Miller, Ryan Lindgren, Adam Fox, uh, uh, Zach Jones skipped the AHL last year and went straight to the NHL. Like, whenever they skip the AHL, it seems to be a little bit better. Nils Lundqvist is is headed down there, I think, so who knows what's going to happen there. But, I mean, I think it's a combination of a number of different things. Like, I think the the expectations on both of those guys were way too high because they were drafted way too high. And I also think that with Kravtsov, I would be in the same boat if I were him, probably, based on how things have gone for him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be very interesting. And I can't believe the Rangers think they can get a top six, top six forward for him. Um, all right. I think that's going to be it, folks. Uh, this was lovely. Always good to get back in the swing of things. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, still very, very early in the year, um, but a very, very good stream as well. Thank you very much for joining me. This was lovely. Like I said, next week we might have a very special edition of Scouching Live, so be sure to join me then. Joined by uh, some, some, I don't know, maybe some special guests. I don't know. Might try to make that work, you know? Um, stay tuned. Watch out for some stuff on McKean's in the coming weeks as well. Uh, in the meantime, I'm just going to keep tracking, doing the thing, build the database, and do do my thing. So thank you very much for joining me. This was very, very lovely. And um, stay safe. Get your vaccines if you haven't already. Um, it only pinched a little bit. It only pinched a little bit. And then I got a little, little sucker after. It felt really good. Um, so thank you very much. See you next week. Stay safe. All those fun things. Um, and we'll see you then. All right.